to come here this day. I pray that our hearts are open. We thank you for the word of God, that, that ancient wisdom that is timeless, that has been entrusted to us. Thank you for this word. And, and Lord, we gather here not just to think about these things, but to put them into practice in our life. So I pray that our hearts would be open, that you would grant us understanding, that you would guide us in what we should do as we respond to those ancient words that come to our hearts from your very heart. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I, I know of a man who was uh, extremely intelligent, uh, far smarter than I would, could ever hope to be. He's a skilled craftsman, and uh, I, I just appreciated his work and, and how gifted he was in that. I said he had a superior intellect, far superior, and he actually left uh, his, his trade and... Um, on in life, went and did a PhD in math and taught at a university a bit. Um, I was in awe of his abilities, of his uh, wit, his quick mind. But for all of his giftedness, when I looked at his life, I saw struggles in his life. Um, He drank about 16 bottles of beer a day. He had about 20 cups of coffee a day. Um, his marriage had, had dissolved. He struggled financially. He struggled with health issues, with what he'd done to his body as well. And, and I thought, man, this guy, is, he is so brilliant. He is so capable. And yet I see things in his life that just seem to drag him down so that he's less than what he could be. I know another person who is not academically inclined at all, um, he uh, didn't do anything more than high school, no education after that. Um, he enjoys a wonderful relationship with his wife, has a loving family, um, is engaged in helping others, has all kinds of friends, a humble man, um, loved by others, has such a positive life, a rewarding life, a good life, and enjoyed his life thoroughly. Yet, academically, he was, had very modest abilities and talents, but was loved, and, and his life made a huge mark. Good health, um, more than enough money, warm relationships, uh, the closest uh, of, of relationship with others, safety and security, uh, emotionally healthy, feeling good about himself. And I thought as I compare these... You know, how is it that some people really just do so well in life? They live well. They, and, and other people who have so many things that they have that would help them in life uh, do a lousy job. How do, you, how do you have a great life? How do you, how do you achieve that? Uh, most of us want that, don't we? Most of us want to live our lives well. We want us a certain amount of happiness and satisfaction and, 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 and to live our lives in a way that um, we, we can look at with pride and, and, um, and great satisfaction. 
As I think about this, I think that our lives are largely made up by the decisions we make day in and day out. I mean, there's certainly things outside of our ability and out of our control that happen to us that we have, we have no say over. But even when those things happen, how we respond and react to them, the decisions that we make are so important. And so if our lives are governed by decisions that we make, the question that comes to my mind is this. How do you make good decisions? How do you make decisions that bless you and bless those around you in your life? How do you make decisions that you live a good life, a satisfying life, a successful life, artfully producing joy in us? Uh, If you're like me, you probably look over your life and you see some decisions that you think, oh man, that was a bad decision. If I could do it over again, there's some things that I would change in my life. Uh, things in my past that I, I have affected my present. And, and so I, I may look back with some regret. But we can't go back. So we can only start with now and move ahead. And, and the question is, how can we make good decisions in our life? How do we make decisions that grant us, excuse me, uh, good lives, productive lives, healthy lives? Uh, As you might imagine, God is not silent on these issues. He's spoken in his word through us. And one of the fascinating things about the word of God uh, to me is just the breadth of how God communicates to us through different literary genre or styles. Um, You know, when you look into the Bible, you see that God has used things like prophecies to speak to us. He's used stories. He's used historical events and records. He's used genealogies, poetry, laws, parables, apocalyptic literature. You know that really weird sci-fi stuff where, where it's like the, there are monsters that you, you can't even think about, that you conceive, they're so weird. And God takes those, that kind of literature to communicate with us as well. Um, he uses letters and gospels. And he uses something called wisdom literature. Do you know there's a kind of literature in the Bible that's called uh, wisdom literature? It was to guide people in their life so that they could have a, a good life, a fulfilling life, that they would live their lives well and gain mastery over the power of reason and be able to apply that in their lives. Um, wisdom literature was not unique to Israel. Other ancient Near Eastern peoples had uh, their own kind of uh, uh, wisdom and wise people in their courts and that kind of thing. Um, It's just that Israel's wisdom was distinctive. It was different. And, And wisdom was to be handed down from generation to generation that as we learn things about living well and skillfully that we would pass those down uh, to, uh, to succeeding generations. And so it, the books in the Bible that are classified as wisdom literature are Job and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And then there are some Psalms that are wis- classified wisdom songs. And some people look at the Song of Solomon and they think that that's, uh, they would say that that kind of fits a bit of wisdom literature. Uh, But this kind of started with the nation about 1,000 B.C., ancient, 
3,000 years ago uh, with David as the second king and his son Solomon. In fact, it, it recognizes that they would have these wise people in the royal courts that would be um, uh, sharing uh, th- this wisdom through these, uh, this expression. In fact, in Jeremiah 18 and 18, it said that he's criticizing some of the people and how they've gone wrong. And there were three kind of uh, sets of people in the nation that were used. One was priests, and they shared the law. They taught the law to the people, what God wanted. Uh, And then there were prophets, and the prophets responded to the law. When they saw the people not living out the law, they would uh, bring these prophecies uh, and, and preach to people to bring them back in line. But there was also the counsel of the wise or the sages. And uh, they shared wisdom with the people. And it was, the function was to teach wisdom, to prepare future leaders and generations, and uh, to instill wisdom in God's people so that they would live well. So God has provided wisdom And we're going to start and take a journey today that will take us through the rest of the summer, uh, focusing on the book of Proverbs. In fact, we've entitled this series, Ancient Wisdom for Successful Living. And I dare say that all of us have a desire to live successfully. And and so as we begin to engage this portion of scripture, uh, we'll hopefully receive wisdom and instruction for our lives that will help us to live well and help us to live skillfully in life and help us as we pass that on. Now, the Proverbs, the the title of this section of Scripture is called the Proverbs. And Proverbs is a meaning of figures of speech or difficult figures of speech that, that convey some truth. And many times they're in these little pithy sayings that, that come along, and sometimes they're in larger, longer discourses. Um, but we, we all know uh, parables. We have parables that we use uh, in our own parlance. Uh, uh, things like, a stitch in time saves nine, Right? What's the point of that? The, the parable is, it, it's a picture, it's a metaphor, it's pointing to something else. It's saying, if you, if you get something fixed, it's really bad. You save yourself a whole lot of work. And you can apply, apply that in all kinds of different areas in your life. Um, fix something early and you, you'll save yourself a lot of grief. How about this one? Look before you leap. Right? Don't just jump into something. Think carefully before you take a course of action. And, you know, we, we could state that truth in this way. In advance of committing yourself to a course of action, consider your circumstances and that course of action. Or we could say, look before you leap. Stop. Take and, and figure it out. And so we have this, these figurative kind of expressions, these statements of truth to guide us in our life. And I want to tell you something. Um, these are not promises. See, when you go to the book of Proverbs, you may take some of these and you may treat it as a promise. It's not a promise. These are truisms. These are, these are truths that are given uh, to us that guide us in how we live our life. They are not promises. Here's one from Proverbs 23, uh, 22. Excuse me. Um, train up a child... In the way he should go, and when he's old, 
he will not depart from it, right? Folks, that's, that's a truism. So the responsibility of us is to train our children carefully when they're young. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a promise. It's not a legal promise. that. And if you do that and do it well and do it right, your kids will all follow Christ. It, it's not a promise, but it's a truism. And when you live out these truths, they're more often true than not true. So what we, what we do is we, we take and um, live them out, but we recognize at the same time that they're not promises. And we don't, dis- we, you know, because if, you're, if your child is not following Christ, and you say, well, the word of God is, it's, it, it, it's, you can't be relied upon. It doesn't work. No, that's not it. It's you have misunderstood what God is communicating to us in there. And so we're going to look at the, uh, actually, at the first seven verses of Proverbs 1. It's an introduction to the whole book. And um, I want us to, to get a good launch for this, and then we'll enjoy uh, meandering through this book uh, through the next uh, two months. Uh, the first thing we see is we see who the author is. Um, the author in verse 1 is this person. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Uh, the one who wrote not all of them, but the vast majority of these, was Solomon. That was King David's son, who would uh, assume the throne after him. And um, he wrote uh, a ton of Proverbs. Um, it's interesting. Uh, God came in a dream uh, to Solomon, and he said to Solomon, um, Solomon, ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, I- I'm just overwhelmed with the challenge of what it means to lead this great nation. I need wisdom. And so God says, I'm going to give you wisdom. You'll have more wisdom than any other person that has lived. You'll, you'll be the wisest person. And because you didn't ask uh, for riches and fame, I'm going to give you that too. And so Solomon lived in a time when David had fought the battles and Solomon was in a time of peace and he gave himself to a lot of writing projects, among other things. And um, in fact, in 1 Kings 4, we find out that Solomon wrote 3,000 parables. We don't have them all here, but he, he wrote all these parables, this, this wisdom that uh, he would use to pass on. And... Um, so the book, of, the book of Proverbs kind of begins with these longer little discourses for the first nine chapters. And then from chapter 10 through to about chapter 29, there are shorter little sayings. It's the kind of things like a stitch in time saves nine kind of little sayings. Um, and then a couple of longer ones at the end. And as I said, he wasn't the only one. Uh, there were Hezekiah's wise men had pulled some together, and there was a guy by the name of Agur and Lemuel, and they both had some contributions into this. But this is a gold mine of wisdom. And if you want to become a wiser person, and that wisdom is to learn to live skillfully, um, you'll take note of this section of the Bible that for a lot of us, it kind of gets dropped. We don't, we don't know much about it. So as we jump into this, um, in this introduction, he's going to tell us what the purpose of this book is for us in our lives. And uh, the purpose, he says, uh, is, is really to grant wisdom to live skillfully. And first off, it's for everyone. In verses 2 and 3, 
He says this, It's for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair. The whole purpose of this, he says, is that gaining wisdom, the word is to know, to know wisdom, to gain wisdom, to attain wisdom, to know it by experience, not just to know something up here. You can have something up here, but you don't know how to apply it in your life to live it out. So wisdom is how to live life skillfully by knowing what to do in various situations and and how to navigate the issues of life. Um, He says this, it's, it's for everyone in that to know wisdom and to know instruction. He uses these two words together often. To know instruction. That word instruction is really uh, an interesting thing. It's, it's, instruction is teaching. But there's another part of this. Uh, many of the translations translate it discipline. Discipline. It, it's to provide discipline. Now that's, that's the kind of training, it's the kind of instruction that admonishes us that warns us, that corrects us. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I don't always like being, I don't always appreciate being corrected. But a wise person will receive correction. Uh, a, wide per, a wise person will, will learn to follow a path that keeps them away from things that are wrong. And when I say that, it's not punishment. It's not discipline-like punishment. It's teaching that has the goal of edifying and building a person up and protecting them from going off the path and getting into a place where they shouldn't be. Um, It's an important word, and it appears over and over and over again in the book of uh, the Proverbs. There's a warning. And uh, let me ask you, can you accept counsel? Can you receive counsel? Can you receive rebuke? Can you you receive something that will protect you by keeping you from danger or keeping you on the right path? It can be costly. And and he calls us to do that. Um, Not, uh, you know, the warning is, can you accept counsel? Can you accept correction? Or do you just blow it off? I'm not, nobody telling me what to do. I'll do my own thing. It's dangerous. Um, I remember, I remember, uh, I saw a situation not in this church, and uh, uh, it, to me, it was an absolutely dangerous situation. A man and uh, one of their friends had a, uh, she was working in one family, um, uh, he was working in another family, and they had time, and they used to hang out together at one another's homes. Their kids were at school. Their, their spouses were at work, and, and uh, I was so concerned about this. I took an elder and went, and, and I said, look, at, i, I, I got to tell you, I think what you're doing is dangerous. Oh, no, no, it's nothing. It's baton. We just have time, and you know, we like to hang around. What ended up causing one of them their marriage, you know? There's a warning and, and we need to be willing to take that warning. Proverbs is bringing correction and warning. It's words of insight that grasp the realities 
of what's going on. It's understanding how those things work out and play out in very practical sense. That's what the word means. It's practical. You know what to, how to apply it skillfully in your life. It's, it's to know what to do, how to behave yourself. And it's not only wise practically, it's also good morally because you're to do right and just and fair. Do what's right and just and fair. You know, and this will deal with all kinds of relational issues when you talk about what's just, what's right, what's fair, how we treat other people. It'll it'll spill over into our relationships. If our if our governments understood this and our legislators, what's good and right and fair and equitable, it's important in that. Is this something you want in your life? Do you want to live that kind of life so skillfully? It's offered to you in this book. Of wisdom and to all who will listen and heed. Well, next, it's for the young and it's for the naive. Now, it just so happens that we do this, and the bulk of our young people are away camping and they'll miss out. So I hope they I hope they get some of this because this is important. No one is born wise. No one is born wise. You have to learn to be wise. It requires learning and instruction and receiving. And the goal of Proverbs is to equip the next generation uh, for successful living. In fact, over and over here, you've got uh, Solomon. Solomon will often uh, say, listen, my son, heed the instruction of your father and don't neglect your mother's teaching. It's, It's preparing the next generation, but it was also preparing the crown prince's uh, for future service. Hey, may I suggest to some, something to you? You are all princes and princesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, preparing you to live uh, for what he calls you to do. So there's the, there's the young, the naive, and over and over he's talking to them. If you're a parent, you understand the concern you have for children, um, if you're working with youth or kids, uh, if, you're, if you're involved in the church, you need to be thinking about what you're doing to prepare the next generation. The focus is on young people and on children. And he, call, he calls them young, and he calls them simple. Now, Gerda before has said that uh, the two of us were plain and simple. She says, she's plain, I'm simple. Um, <laughs> I don't know that I like that, but that's, that's how she's designated us here. Um, simple is lacking in instruction. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, it, it it's, it's, naive, it's naivety. It's gullibility. You know, with a little kid, you can, you can tell them anything. And if they trust you, they'll believe it, right? And people will tell them, and advertisers will tell them, and friends will tell them things, and they'll be gullible. Uh, and and they need to they need to not be vulnerable that way. They need to grow in wisdom so that they can discern and understand right from wrong. It says in the scripture in verse four, this forgiving prudence to those who are simple, and knowledge and discretion to the young. Um, as I said, we weren't born with wisdom. We've got to receive wisdom. We've got to be taught wisdom. That's why you have parents. That's why you have people who speak into your life, who help you. Um, you know, I, I can remember people 
having fun with me because, uh, you know, hey, can you bring me a left-handed screwdriver? I can't find one here. How do you know? What it? Well, of course, there's no such thing, right? So you can be gullible. You can, you can bite on things. You, you, can, you can take things. And, and we need experience. We need to protect children. We need to teach them and instruct them. But I want to go to this party. All my friends are going to be there. Uh, but I understand something that you don't understand at this stage of life. There's danger in that. Uh, you, you can't do that. Um, I, I want to I go and stay at my girlfriend's place. And their parents aren't home. And we're going to say, no. Danger. Danger. Stay away from it. Why can't I buy this? I want to buy this. And sometimes you just have to trust your parents. See, sometimes we, we lose, uh, we, we learn the hard way, too. I was a little kid. Um, we used to go to Sobble Beach, and I went and worked. At, young people get a kick out of this. I worked at a bowling alley for part of the day. And I took that, you know, and I'm, I'm working for like 15 cents an hour or something crazy like that. Um, <laughs> a big timer. And uh, I wanted to get something for my mom. I love my mom. So I had like, I'd saved up like five, seven dollars or something. And there was this ugly blue mountain pottery of a horse, like up on its, uh, its haunch, on its back legs. And it was chinked and it was, it was chipped. My mom was so, when they sold me that, I'd worked so hard on my holidays to buy my mom this ugly broken thing and she went back and took a strip off them for for uh you know kind of ripping me off that way well i i didn't have the sense i didn't understand um and 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 so often in my life that thing can happen um uh, i i had a horse at one point and somebody who's we we rode with her dad was selling a a pickup and a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, his dad was a mechanic, and, and so I took this pickup. I was going to get it for 150 bucks, and I drove it to his, his dad to look at it and tell me what he thinks, and he lit the floorboard and, uh, or, the, the, or the mat, and you could see the, the road beneath it. He says, son, don't, don't buy this, and I listened to him. His, his, his son was my friend, and then um, he had, he bought an MGB a little British sports car, convertible. I wanted a sports car too. And uh, so I found, I'm, I'm going to show you a picture of the car, okay? Hello? Hello? <laughs> That's a Triumph GT6 Plus. Is that sweet or what? Uh, ladies, hello? <laughs> and... And, I, and I, I asked Jim's dad if he would look at it for me. He said, Kevin, I wouldn't buy it. And you know what? I didn't take counsel. You know, because, I mean, hello, look at this thing. And, and my dad helped me tow it from Acton to Guelph. Okay, literally, I bought this thing. It wasn't running. And uh, then I had to kind of get it going. And... Um, I, you know, if you're British, I, I apologize. I hate British vehicles. <laughs> and um, British Motors, Guelph British Motors, 
They knew my voice on the phone because I would be stranded somewhere in the side of the road. It cost me more money. It was, it was terrible. And then the, then the engine blew. And the, my only saving grace that was there was another idiot out there who was willing to buy that car for $450 with a blown engine. And so, I, you know, I mean, it was just bad. I didn't take counsel. And God puts people in our life to give us counsel so we're not naive, so we don't get carried away. It's interesting, you know, with, with our kids, when, when our, our, I, I, I knew so little when my son was at home. And when he went off to college, he would call me regularly. Dad, what should I do about this? Dad, this is it. Dad, I, I didn't realize that I got so smart so quickly. But, but there's this thing about, you know, we need somebody who's had experience, who understands more than we do, that help us and guide us. Because you can, you can learn the hard way, and I've learned the hard way in a lot of things in my life. Um, but you can, it, it's so much better if you can learn without having to go through some of those difficulties. And, uh, and so for our young people, you don't have the knowledge and the experience and discernment, and you're vulnerable And people can prey on that. And you need someone to school you and to help you. And uh, God gives us parents, listen to them. Obey them. Uh, They have your best at heart. But this is also for the wise. In uh, in verses 5 and 6, Solomon says this. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let this discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables and sayings and riddles of the wise. He's saying, you know what? Wisdom, this book is for the people who are already wise. Because you know what? We never, we never kind of get there when we don't have to learn anything more, when there's nothing else. Um, that, that's not in keeping with wisdom. That's arrogance. That's a lack of wisdom. I've been so blessed in my life to have people, and I said this last week, uh, people, and, and a number of those people were seniors in my life through every stage that brought wisdom and counsel into my life that helped me walk a course. Um, one, one of those people was uh, Dr. Jim Greer, who, who was uh, at Cornerstone uh, University. Um, I, I, I love this man. Uh, when he died about uh, four years ago, I just I felt such a loss. When I was in a, a tough jam and not sure which way to go or what to do, his, his wise counsel protected me. He, he could speak into my life and he, he could say, Kevin, I, I think you've, your attitude, you have a problem with your attitude. But I knew he loved me so much and I knew he brought that wisdom that I received that from him. Uh, He encouraged me. He provided guidance for me. Uh, He called me out when necessary. He he lifted me up when I was down. He he, he gave guidance and discernment to the path. And uh, and I I feel that I lost something so valuable in him. Um, See, we don't set ourselves up as the wise, but God wants us to have that continual teachable spirit that we're always learning and growing. And so this is not just for people who aren't wise. This is for the wise. And they add to their learning and they become wiser yet and they learn how to handle different kinds of, 
of uh, riddles and parables. They understand more deeply those things and live by them. Um, Commit yourself to continuing to grow in wisdom. Um, Sadly, there's another category. It's a category of people who lack wisdom. And in the end of verse 7, we have a warning against uh, foolishness. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You'll see foolishness all through the book of Proverbs. And they contrast the wise from the fool. Um, and, And the sad thing is that there are foolish people who will not receive wisdom. Um, they, they lack wisdom, um, and, and they just turn from, from wisdom and help. They do their own thing. You can't tell them anything. You can't instruct them. They know what's right. They know what's, uh, what good, what's good for them. They go after wrong. They're not concerned about, uh, about uh, the kind of things that could happen to them at all. They just forge ahead. Uh, Psalm 14 verse 1 says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They live a godless life. There's no place for God in their life. And and, uh, it kind of lines up the wise and the foolish, the wise and the foolish. And we need to learn uh, not to be foolish. There is a choice for us. And, And he says, there's a foundation for all of this. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes... When we look at the Proverbs, some of it seems common sense. Some of it seems so earthly as maybe not to be spiritual at all. And, and the thought is, well, can I, can I be a, uh, uh, a wise person without spirituality? Uh, where uh, it's not a God thing at all. It's, I, I, you know, I'm doing things that are right in my life. And I'm going to tell you this. If you take and apply the Proverbs in your life and you're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to improve your life. When you do the things that God says in that way, um, you, you will improve your life. And, and I think there's value in that. But you're not going to totally get it. Because what, what is so critical to this whole thing is the God factor. So there's a foundation for wisdom And the foundation uh, in verses 1 and verse 7 is this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right at the start of the book, he says, everything in this is going to be grounded in. The the first item, the primary thing about this is fearing the Lord. It's understanding the centrality of God in life in all we do. You see... So much we do the foolish things because we're bent, we have that bent. You can't just do everything in your life by virtue of I'm just going to discipline myself to do right things because in us are things that find uh, allurement in, in things that are wrong. And, and so we just, we just tend to that. But he says the, the, the founding principle, the thing on which everything is grounded, the thing that permeates everything that we're going to say and, and read in this book is this. It's the fear of God. You say, well, what is, what is the fear of God? I would say uh, the fear of God is the reverent obedience to God. It's, just, it's not just reverence for God. It's reverent submission and obedience to God. And if we will take and do that, 
that will pour out God's wisdom in our life and bless our lives, that we can live skillfully and well before him. Our attitude toward God, our submission to God is critical to that. We need to acknowledge his authority and humbly submit to him. It's not easy to take the path of the wise. Um, God helps us, but we can't do it on our own. We need his help. And it starts with submission to God. And I need to ask you a question. Is that your posture? Is your posture to be submitted to God in all things? Um, He said to be baptized. Have you submitted to God in that? Will you submit to God in everything? Because foundational to all of this is that I follow God. God is the Lord of my life. I submit myself before him. I surrender myself. And uh, you may not yet be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I would encourage you to open your heart and life to Jesus Christ, who died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sins so that you could be accepted by God, forgiven by God, included in his family, and that you could live forever with him. And if you haven't started at that point, you'll never get to the kind of wisdom that he's talking about until you take that first step of faith. Where are you? Because I think it's kind of a continuum. If we've got the fool over here on this end, and we have the wise person, all of us show up somewhere on this, on this continuum. My prayer is for us that as we go through this next uh, number of weeks, that you will hear God speaking to you through these, that you will be wise, that you will take steps in wisdom, that you will learn and become discerning. You'll, you'll understand good from not so good and right from wrong, and you'll make good choices, and those choices God will use to bless you in your life. And those who are naive will begin to learn and submit and find that God will protect them. I, I fear I fear for our young people with all of the allurements, all of the things that seek to drag them away, and they just don't have all of what it takes to do that. But as we go through this, um, I trust that God will grant us that wisdom. Now, I want to make a suggestion to you uh, in this. I want to suggest to you that you start um, by reading the Proverbs this summer. I'm not going to say read the whole book because in, in a hurry. I'm going to suggest to you that in the first nine chapters, there are larger units. And read one of those a day for the next nine days. And then when we get into chapter 10, there are a lot of these little sayings. Um, and uh, probably it's, it may be too much to try and absorb all of that. So maybe read a half of one of those and focus on maybe just one of those parables, that God would speak to you about something that you can grow in wisdom and begin to put it into practice in your life. And uh, do that right through to the chapter 30 and 31 or just a little bit longer. Uh, but do that and, and watch yourself as you grow, as you apply this wisdom to your life in what you do. And you'll find that this will touch speech, it'll touch relationships, it'll touch... Uh, laziness and, 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 and uh, uh, things like uh, uh, 
dealing with dealing with problem people all kinds of topics are going to come up in this and i think you'll find that this will be a time when we we're not just putting in time wasting time through the sim- summer this will be a time when we all grow together in wisdom and we start on continuing this lifelong journey okay james uh, james said this if anyone lacks wisdom let him ask of god who gives liberally and he doesn't he doesn't get ticked off at you come with it he's happy for you to come and ask for wisdom and he says in chapter 3 of James that there's this wisdom from above and it's so far different than wisdom from below earthly wisdom there's something in that and so let's journey together and trust that God will grow us wonderfully through this whole process let's pray father thank you for um, your grace. Thank you for this part of scripture that gets neglected by a lot of us, that you want us to live well, and uh, you give us wisdom that will help in this area of our life. And so we thank, for, thank you for all the different kinds of things that are in the Bible, how vast they are, and how comprehensive. And we pray that we would, uh, we would find ourselves availing ourselves of your truth to us, and that you would grow us in this. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.